Welcome to Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, break down the process, and meet others who've done it so you can leap into your own story. We interview amazing guests who provide powerful insights that inspire you to get your story told. Be sure to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com, and while you're there, subscribe and like us via your favorite social media network. Now sit back, get ready to take some notes, and let's get started. This episode of Leap Into Your Story podcast is brought to you by Leap Into Your Story course. Visit leapintoyourstory.com where you have a guide to get your story told. I'm Victoria Anderson, and welcome to the Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story work through the process, and meet others who've done it. We interview amazing guests who provide powerful insights that will inspire you to leap into your own story. So be sure to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com. And while you're there, subscribe and like us via your favorite social media network. In this episode, we are going to learn about the victory mindset. My guest today is Ishvan Zako. Ishvan is an entrepreneur, author, speaker, and business consultant that uses his life experiences to help others achieve success. From a homeless teenager to later living into a tent for seven years, he's now a successful entrepreneur, and his desire is to help others achieve their dreams and live a life of success. So welcome, uh, Ishvan. It's a great uh, pleasure to have you on. And that's uh, quite a bio there. So before we dive into some of the questions on your book, tell us where, tell us a little bit where this uh, journey began and uh, how it, how it all got started. Definitely. Well, first, I'd like to say thank you for having me here with you to share about my story. And my story, you know, a lot of us have dark moments in our lives. And that's what kind of started everything when I realized, you know, as a young teenager that life was pretty rough and I didn't like it, didn't like where it was going. I thought ending it was the option. Mm. And the moment of just about falling eight stories as I'm hanging there, I realized this is not the option. Going home wasn't the option either, but something had to change. And that sparked this journey that I would say I'm still on every day is, you know, part of the journey, but it's sparked the awareness that something had to change, or I was just going to continue living that life, continue living that mindset, those ideas, the battles that were going on in my head. If I didn't start doing something and at 16, you don't have a lot of options, but I knew something had to change and it's what made me leave home and figure out what I needed to make those changes. Wow. Wow. That, well, that sounds like you had some really good um, early insight. Um, so let's, let's talk about the moment where that journey all started. It sounds like you kind of had some trouble past and, mm-hmm. and uh, so what, what was the turning point? What was the moment that started your journey? Well, when I was there and I realized something had to change that, that night I went home, grabbed everything that I owned, which at that age was a, a bag of clothes and a skateboard. Literally that was, that right. was about it. And I walked away. I walked away and, you know, there's points in our lives where we're not certain what the next step is. And we have that choice where we stay right where we're at, where we know we don't want to be. We know it's not the place that's serving us. It's not giving us the life that we want, or we go into the unknown. And I had to make that decision. When I did that, I left. And there's moments where, you know, you're a homeless team. You figure out what you have to do. You figure out how to get by. You don't want to tell people. You don't want people to feel sorry for you or pity. So you act like it's not happening when you're around other people. You keep it a secret. There are times where I did get to stay in people's homes. I had a wonderful family invite me to live with them, which I got to stay with 
for a little over six months until a sudden illness came over the mother of that family and she was gone within 48 hours. From the moment that it was discovered, 40 hours, she was gone. And once again, it was like, it turned my whole world upside down. And after all the dust settled, the grandparents took over custody of the kids and they pretty much invited me to leave. And I knew what I was there for, what made that home home was gone. So I was okay with it. And I wandered off. And I, during having to be in a situation where I don't know what's next, but I have to go figure it out. I learned how to figure it out. And as I continued to learn, you know, what do I need to do? How do I take care of myself? And it wasn't resorting to, you know, stealing and all these other things, even though there was some drug abuse, I mean, drug drug usage and sales and things like that along the way that just seemed like quick access to money. It was trying to figure it out, right? I was really trying to figure out how do I make income? How do I make a living? How do I get a job? How do I find a place to stay? And when you're put in that situation, you figure it out. When we sit where we are at, we just sit in our mind and go, how am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? But when we're forced in it, we figure it out, which is really neat. And it, it kind of put me in a situation where when changes come in, I kind of embrace it. I'm like, okay, let's see how this works out, you know, but it took time to get there. You know, at that age, life was happening to me. I was that victim mentality that, you know, I'm this way because this happened. I'm this way because of that happened. And, and I was struggling. I really was struggling. And that kept going on that way for another three and a half years where I felt Everything that happened to me was because of my parents. It was because the school. It was because everybody who didn't help me. And that's where another big point in my life took place where I decided to stay home and figure out what it was that I was really so angry about. Because lots of times we think we're angry about the person that cut us off or we're angry about, you know, the way our job's going or the way a client is acting and, and then it comes back to, there's something in us that's getting triggered. And what is that? Yes. You know, well, I know. Question, what is yes. that? <laughs> well, you're, you remind me of um, uh, quite a few other people who've written their very personal life story. And those journeys are generally, I guess, labeled as forged by fire. And if you know anything about silversmithing or goldsmithing or just even knife smithing, that in order to make a very, very strong blade or a piece of gold or silver, that you have to forge it through fire. And what happens is the impurities, although the, the process is painful, the impurities, the dross get burned out. So you're left with that beautiful piece of, you know, refined gold or silver or a very, very, very strong blade. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I well said, and I love that one, you know, tried by fire. It's like, you know, that refining process, it is painful. Mm-hmm. And actually that time when I realized, you know, I was going to parties or going to the clubs or doing drugs or drinking. And it was, I wasn't happy being by myself. I really wanted to be a part of something else or be in a group of other people. It was like, I wanted to be distracted. I wanted to be anywhere, but by myself, even when I wasn't having fun. And that's why I realized this is what is, why am I doing this? And in other, you know, conversations with other people that, well, I get depressed when I'm by myself or I get, you know, whatever it might be when they're by themselves. I want to figure out well, what's this whole idea of by myself is not a happy place. I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> and I decided to just stay home. I had an apartment. I stayed in my room, literally just only thing I went out for was work and food. That's it. Otherwise I just sat there for days. I didn't answer the phone, didn't talk to people. There wasn't emails and texts back then. And I just disappeared. And it was, you know, so it was close to about a month. And those moments, there was moments where it was deep, dark. I hate all this. I didn't ask for this. And then other moments that were reflecting on the things that happened in my life and the things that I've learned and what, what my parents did teach me. And, and at the end of the day, you know, that whole event, I was, I was pissed off at my family. 
I really felt like I got dealt, you know, the, the, the poop end of the stick, shall we say, you know, and it just, everything was just bad. And it was all because of them that I was this way. And then I realized what would make somebody else act that way towards somebody that they say they love. And what did they go through to see that as love, as that is acceptable? And my heart suddenly had compassion for them and broke for them. When your heart breaks for the person that hurt you, changes your whole perspective on what happened to you. And you realize that person is hurting too. And, and I became that moment like empathetic towards what they must have gone through. And I can't know what they went through, but suddenly I felt that I wanted to forgive them. And after that, I couldn't be mad. I wanted to be mad, but I couldn't. Like suddenly I realized everything that I was holding on to, every, all the blame, all the anger, it was me. After I left, I left. They weren't hurting me anymore. It was me that kept putting myself through this torment, you know, like this, this mental prison that I locked myself away in. And I was trying to protect myself from pain, protect myself from so many things, but I was also shutting out all the, the joy and the happiness and the love that people were trying to give me in life. And once I forgave and let that go, it wasn't like the healing took place in one moment, but it started the healing process that allowed me to start living so much more vibrantly than I ever knew that I could experience. Yeah, that's really powerful. I mean, I have family members that would hold on to a grudge how they were raised. And, you know, I told them, I says, you know, they're only responsible for you up until 18. So what did you do (laughs) as 18 and on? And now you're in your 50s or 60s and you're still blaming them for only 18 years. You've been out of their grasp, out of their influence since your 18th birthday. And one of the things that I had also presented is say, you know, you're, you're framing your perspective based on, you know, your lifetime. What would you have done if you lived in that era with limited resources and options and things like that? And then that really got them to thinking. (laughs) And then it became very hard for them to hold a grudge. Yeah, it it changes everything. Forgiveness is so powerful. You know, Mm -hmm. I've seen people, I can't forgive them or they don't deserve to be forgiven. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, with a mindset like that, for the things I've done in life, do I deserve forgiveness? I'm so grateful for those who have forgiven me for the things I've done because I have done some things when I was angry, upset, and living a very destructive lifestyle. Yeah. And and, and I hope know. that those that I may have hurt along the way can forgive me, the ones that I don't know who I hurt. And, you know, do any of us deserve forgiveness? There's a question. And it's like holding on to that forgiveness is not hurting that person. It is the whole example of drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. die. It is just robbing ourselves of a beautiful life that is waiting right, right outside of the door. Yeah. And I agree. And it also traps you in the past. So if you're trapped in the past, it really robs you of your current moment and your present because you're still rehashing, reliving the past. And when you do that, you really, you limit your options for the now and beyond. Because it's so much mental energy and emotion that you're, you know, I would rather have mental energy of thinking about what's my next big project than so-and-so screwed me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a higher vibration, lower vibration. If you get into energy dynamics, um, just staying in the higher vibration, which is yeah, they what they did. And frankly, I mean, I there's some points where they they should have known better. They intentionally did some bad stuff, and mm-hmm. I couldn't get over to the point where 
they really, it's not like, say, a parent who was doing the best they could or anything like that. Somebody had like malicious intent. <laughs> and one, I had to get past that. And two, eventually, with that level of maliciousness, it came home to roost on them in a really, really bad way. And I knew right then and there, there's a balance in the universe. Um, because I didn't have to, once I realized I'm done with this, they're, you know, I feel bad for anybody else who done, they've done it to, or tried to do it. And no sooner I kind of let it go within a few months, unfortunately they got some, you know, karma. (laughs) So, and, uh, it happens, but I think we can never control what happens to us sometimes. I mean, there's some who may think that, well, you know, you're just going to think everything positive. It doesn't necessarily work. Sometimes things will come your way. You have no control, but it's always about how you react to it. That's right. That's right. All about how you react to it. And yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I like to always say, you know, there there's the event and the outcome. Everybody Mm -hmm. says, you know, this outcome here is because this event that happened. Because my parents were this way, because my life was this way, because my relationships were this way, because whatever it is, that's why I'm this way. Mm-hmm. The reality is there's one thing in between the event and the outcome, and that's you. How are you going to respond right. to everything that you do? And I love what you were talking about. You know, if you're stuck thinking about the past, you're stuck in the past. You're not living your future. Mm-hmm. And if you're stuck in the past, you're thinking about things that you cannot change. The past is done. All it is, is a memory. It's, right. it's gone. You know, it's part of our story, but it doesn't find who we are. And if we stay there, we feel hopeless because we're always thinking about things we have no control over. If we focus on the events that are coming up and the things that we're going through, we can then respond accordingly for the best possible outcome, which sometimes is amazing. And other times it, you can't affect it that much. But the thing is that you tried, you know, you always try for that better outcome and that's what changes the life that you're living, not going back to the past. Exactly. It's got to mm-hmm. be focused on what's going, what's happening right now and where you want to go so that all your decisions are focused on taking you into that life that you really feel or dream, have been dreaming to be living. Right. And what I've done in some of my coaching for writers who want to do memoirs is they'll always go back. They want to talk about, they want to make the whole book about that trauma. And I'm like, that is just one chapter. Do you want to make it the whole damn book? <laughs> you need to start writing new chapters. In essence. And then when you frame it that way, they're like, hmm, okay. So what happened? What happens going forward? You're now in control of writing those chapters. They've co-written that one chapter. What are you doing going forward? So <laughs> Yeah. How are we going to respond? Yeah. You write your own book. How is your book going to end? Are you going to be stuck in that one chapter? Who wants to be stuck in that one chapter? A one chapter book. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Especially if it's not a joyful chapter. No. And it's not a joyful chapter. So, yeah. (laughs) Why? Don't put any energy into that. (laughs) Write some new chapters. Yeah. Most definitely. Wow. Well, let's talk about now that you've kind of gone over your healing process, where this journey started. Now I have to find out. As you talk about this tent life. So let's go ahead and talk about the tent experience. (laughs) Yeah. And that's an exciting part of my life. That's a whole nother book. Those what happened over that time. There was a certain point where I was making more money because I grew up poor. I thought, I thought money was the answer. At that point, I wasn't angry anymore. So I didn't have a, a reason to be like self-sabotaging myself. Started getting a couple jobs, making more money, investing in, you know, events and local things that were going on, some private investing. And I was like, wow, I'm making so much more money. My life's going to be so much better. And then something just felt empty. And it wasn't that something was wrong. It's that 
I didn't really know why I was doing it. I just had been so focused on making more money. That'll fix everything. That'll make my life so amazing. That's the one thing that's missing because I always was poor and broke and couldn't buy what I wanted, couldn't get what I needed. And I, I suddenly was in that place where I could do that, but I didn't feel the happiness that I thought I would. And I had an experience where I saw some people live in a completely different lifestyle. And after seeing it, my like spirit was just like, I, I don't know what they have, but they got something that I don't. They're happy, even though they don't have money, they don't have a house or an apartment. They don't have, you know, all the things that I have, but they're happy. What is it that they have? I want that. After meeting them, I put in my notices with my comp- with the, the jobs that I worked with. I fulfilled that obligation. And after I left, I packed up everything, sold what I thought I, you know, didn't need it. And I packed up my car with what I did need. And I got some camping supplies and I decided to go camping with one destination just to start it and no return date. I left that very open. It scared the heck out of everybody I knew. And they all out of love said, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What are you going to do if that? And I was like, you know what? I'll find out. I'll tell you when I find out, because if I don't go, I'll never know. And I'll never get to experience it. I had $35 left to my name. By the time I paid off debts and other things, I had no savings, nothing else going on. That's all I had and a car full of stuff. And I went camping and it ended up lasting seven years. By the end of that trip, I had dreadlocks all the way down to bottom of my back. I had a big scruffy beard and people are like, no, that's not, no. And I'm like, yeah, I got the dreadlocks at home. When I cut them off, I saved them. It's a big, long thing of dreadlocks. And it's, it's part of my story. You know, it's like something I don't want to forget. And it was so amazing. The things that I got to learn, the people that I got to meet, the people that poured into me as mentors, the, the stories, the moments of just sitting there peacefully, you know, my life was, you asked me what I was doing tomorrow and I ponder it for a minute and say, I'll tell you tomorrow. When you stop making plans, you stop having agendas, you stop filling your schedule. Suddenly there are things that you never expected could have happened, start to happen to you. And you know, if we got businesses or we have jobs, we have families, maybe we don't get that opportunity to just walk off for seven years, but give yourself two hours to go spend, you know, on a walk one day or go sit by a lake or a river or go hiking in the woods and just sit and be. That time is so good for your mind, your spirit, the clarity, pondering things. It's just an amazing thing. And I got the privilege of being able to do that for seven years and learned so much about who I am, what I want to do. And at the end of the seven years, I did find my purpose, my calling, my why that fills me now in everything that I do. It's not about money. It's not about, you know, accomplishments. So I can say I did. It's so much bigger than that. It's about my why, my wanting to give back and make an impact on other people's lives that motivates me to do all the things that I'm doing from the book to speaking to trainings to the businesses that I've created. It's all about how can I help other people accomplish what I've done. Awesome. Yes, I've had kind of a similar experience. Of course, it wasn't seven years, (laughs) but there is something about just being stripped of obligation, distraction, you know, things that aren't necessarily important. I know in my first book, Touch, I wrote about uh, La Mesa, which is a very, very, it's probably the most poorest town in Mexico. It's over, it's in this hill, hillside community that overlooks Tijuana. And, you know, as a, a, a young 20 year old who had a very comfortable life going into extreme poverty to volunteer, to help build a school that was part of uh, the, actually it was the American, it was uh, through a nonprofit organization with a world famous uh, architect. And 
seeing that people live in just homes made of whatever trash they found and eating out of the dump from Tijuana and drinking practically sewer water. But here's one of the strangest things that I observed. Those were the happiest people I think I had ever encountered in my life because they, you know, having a good home or good food wasn't their mindset. It was like the sense of community. They took care of each other. And, you know, when we brought food, I mean, we always brought X. And when we, when we did the building project, there was always lineup food and, the this community it was a community it was a different mindset even the little toddlers wanted to contribute to their school and we you know i was like you know then we got construction we got beams and concrete trucks and you know this is not a place for a two and three year old but those two and three year olds they had like the little um what do you call it? fisher price the grocery cart they wanted to load us water while we were working. And they hear these, they barely could walk. You know, they're all dirty. These little toddlers, they had the happiest little disposition with their little bottled water, bringing it up to the work people. And wow. I mean, it, it was just life changing. And, and the idea of me, I was planning to be a CPA and being in a, glass and building and a cubicle for 70 hours. I was like, yeah, no, I I couldn't go back to that. And I was almost done with my degree. And I actually ended up changing the degree. I didn't leave business, but I realized I did not want to be 70 hour work, 70, 80 hour work. I don't care if I was earning 300 bucks an hour. I wanted to capture some of that freeness that you know not the obligation to, to walk through the dirt barefooted uh, sense of community and I never ended up as a CPA or even too much in the business I mean I did do corporate America but not at that high strung level where it was so demanding where you had to meet tax deadlines and deal with a whole bunch of stuff that no longer seemed to serve my purpose of where I wanted to be. And I, and I ended up starting a, a ceramic business. <laughs> I got some part I was taking and I had loved the earthiness of the clay that kind of reminded me of the dirt in that Mexico experience, because that for me, that was a connection to the earth and to create something, take something and create you know, out of that big hunk of ugly earth. So I like how you were talking about, you know, people that often don't have all the, you know, wealth and provisions being happier people. I've been on many mission trips and that's another thing that's on my heart to go on mission field. And, and I, I love all the trips and all the people that I've gotten to meet along the way and where people that really don't have anything and they're willing to give you everything that they have left, you know, just to, they're just happy to share and to feed you and to have you in their home. And it's about community. And, you know, that, that community is amazing because when you have a purpose, it changes everything that you do. And, and personally with me, like success has nothing to do with money. Money is not one of the measurements that I use when it comes to success it's about having a balance in life, feeling joy, having family relationships, your spiritual, your physical, your health, you know, there's so many aspects to it. And money itself can amplify what's in the person. I've never felt right. like money corrupts somebody. It only shows what's really in that person. And I've seen some people miss the opportunity to give back and help so many other people And then I love that I get to network with a lot of amazing business owners that have built huge companies, multi-million dollar companies. And their main thing that they talk about is how can we help more people? How can we give back? How do we give to the community? How do we support other people? And, you know, one of them, he's one of his, you know, 
like little slogans is the more money I make, the more people I can help. That's just what he's all about. And, and I love it. And, and it comes from those people that understand the community. If I had stayed that angry teenager and kept making money and was in the position where I was, I am right now, I'd probably be living a pretty reckless life. That's not very fulfilling and serving other people, but because I got to step away and find my purpose, I learned to appreciate having nothing. I learned to appreciate community, helping, being a part of something bigger. And there are moments on my mission trips where I admired those people that weren't distracted by all the shiny objects and opportunities that we have here where we can make all this money, but we can quickly lose our why. And we've seen business owners do that, you know, build businesses so I can have a better life, spend more time with my family, travel. And the next thing you know, they're just 60 to 80 hours a week and they're not spending time with their family. Their kids don't know who they are. And and we have to come back to that. Why, what is our purpose for doing what we're doing, whether we're serving as a, you know, in in charities, with nonprofits, whether it is a business, whatever it is that we're doing, why are we doing it? And because if we lose sight of the, why the purpose, it becomes unfulfilling. And sometimes at certain points, it's not even serving the people that we're trying to help. Right. I, I've gotten to a point in my life where, it has to be fulfilling. You know, I'm not going through the motions anymore. I'm not going to pretend that I like doing it. Uh, you know, definitely the meaningful connections that I'm striving for. And, you know, I, I doubt it'll be what was up in La Mesa where that, that was such a, you can feel the connection of those people. You drive up to the rickety old roads um, off to the dump and you get out there. I mean, there's two things that hits you, the smell of the dump, but the amazing warmth of the people who are genuinely happy that you're there and their whole point of their purpose is to make you comfortable and make, and, and, want to get to know you the I think social media platforms are great but they have really made it difficult to want to have those personal connections that you know in the old school (laughs) days prior to phones or anything I you would grab your buddies and go up and in my neighborhood was the Taco Bell (laughs) <laughs> hang out they they didn't have dry food fruit food they had those concrete and that's what you did you sat there and you just chit chat and have conversation and I think one of the biggest um, opportunities that needs to be worked on after post social media is the art of conversation because that's really where you build the connections. Definitely. I agree. I see a lot of the events that I go to, you know, there's a lot of great information and trainings or speakers, but the conversations after events where you get to sit down with people, maybe at the bar or restaurant, you get to really, those are like, there's so much gold in those conversations. Right. Even if they're just casual conversations about life, you know, there's so much that can come up that we can ponder and reflect on that are, that only come through having real conversations with people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the distraction, I mean, I, I run several businesses. I have three cell phones. I don't think I'm on those cell phones an hour a day, but yet I'll go to a store and people are just like glued to the, I'm like, what are you looking at? (laughs) I just like, it it doesn't, for me, you know, a quick text or something, I'm like, it can wait. It can wait. It's not burning down. I'm not even going to look it, you know, and and especially when, um, you know, I'm I'm filming. I mean, I don't even, my cell phones are in the other room because I don't even want to open the door for any distraction. And because I want to be 100% connected to my interview. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I'm still puzzled by that where people are just glued to their phone and I'm like, what are they looking at? It's just, just, they're, they're just so empty that they got to 
find something to just shiny, shiny, it catches their attention. And I probably offended a whole bunch of people out there, but you know what? Go have a real conversation with somebody. (laughs) You know, even as a busy business owner, um, you need to make time to just have some quiet time for yourself and reflect and and, and make it a priority to have the uh, downtime to just, you know, I don't know about you, but every day I have to have my game plan, my, my mindset for a game plan. Um, I have a running kind of idea what my week's going to look like, but I always leave pockets of things open, maybe an interview that get, get maybe get a chance to schedule in <clears throat> that he didn't intend to, but might be an interesting yes moment or grabbing a quick bite to eat with somebody I haven't talked to in a couple of years. So I always try to leave, leave some wiggle room for that space for other things to manifest, you know, positive or just use it for self-reflection. Yeah, especially as a business owner, put it on the schedule. Yes. You know, reflection time, vision time, you know, uh, creativity or construction time, put put it. Most of the time we're we're filling our schedule and we feel overwhelmed because yeah. we don't And it is hard time. to do, especially if you're in big demand as a, <laughs> as yours is in this season. But I mean, I think that's important to just have that space and even in my uh, writing courses if you want to be serious about writing, you know, I'm not one of these people that says spend a weekend writing and do a book in a weekend. I mean, there there's courses out there that can do that, but for writing, there's a lot of uh, benefits to, to writing a book and just writing in itself. And I challenge everybody 15 minutes a day put aside 15 minutes a day. And if you don't write, even if you're not feeling right, write your why statement, write in a journal, just there's a, there's the act of writing and specifically even just the, like the pen to paper, it triggers your brain differently and it rewires you. And it sets a, especially if you could do it in the morning, sets a tone for the rest of your day. So I don't know how you scheduled your book, but is there any of that that you can relate to? Yeah. Well, everything you were saying about putting aside time and it's putting aside time for what's really important to you and talking about a book in particular, you know, all of us have a story and there's somebody out there that needs to hear your story. Right. Sometimes we feel like, well, my story, I didn't live seven years in the wood. It, It doesn't matter. There, it could be something that most of the time what people love is like things you overcome. Sometimes it's just hearing about the journey, you know, mm-hmm. just what you did along, what you learned, who you met. And there's so many points to everybody's story that can be helping somebody else who's going through it, went through it, or is about to go through it. You know, it's like sharing your story is powerful and getting it out. It does take time. Like you were talking about, you know, saying 15 minutes, I want to share my story of 15 minutes. That's a perfect example of building a discipline, you know, whether it's 15 minutes for, you know, gratitude, you know, whatever it is, but setting aside that time and sitting there doing it, even if, if it was gratitude and I'm really upset in 15 minutes, I'm upset. At least I'd spend the time to stop and reflect while I'm there, but to write that story, there's so much to put in and it takes time. And especially as you start writing it, you start rewriting or rereading it, it becomes more clear. The details that you want to share start popping out and, and that's great. It it takes time. And even after you get everything written and you finally get it to like editors or publishers and then they're throwing it back at you to reread again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it gets a little tiring. Like it's good, but you know, it, it, it's part of the process really. Yes. Yes. And there's also, um, there's uh, not only writing your story that tends to trigger healings, but sometimes editing. 
I know my first book was 500 pages long. And my publisher was like, yeah, no. (laughs) And then ultimately my publisher, by the time we got it windled down, they went out of business. So, and there was some things that they wanted me to change and I didn't want to change it. And I says, no, I know it's kind of a boring little blurb chapter, but I have two other books at that, that one little small section is going to make more sense when they read the other two, when those that what I thought was insignificant is now going to be significant in two other books. So I was getting into a battle with them. And finally I decided I'm not playing around with publishers. I'm going to self publish and nobody's going to tell me what I can and can't put in my damn book. So, (laughs) so I've taken the full control over that. And, you know, nowadays um, I think, Telling your story is more important than anything. Um, being that, especially with people who are locked down, they don't, they're losing the connection. There might be family stories that are being lost. Um, I mean, one of the benefits I got out of my book, and I didn't realize that, was that um, part of my story, when you talk about your story, you also include other people's stories. So I have all my parents' history in there and family members bought my book and they had never known about some of that history. And I just assumed everybody had knew, knew about it, but apparently I was the story keeper. So people in their households may be the story keeper that they don't know about. So hmm. it might be a good idea that uh, we have this opportunity. I know for me, I know the pandemic has been, you know, pretty much my ideal lifestyle locked in. You got to guess what? You're going to get your books finished. (laughs) Um, I know a lot of people, as you mentioned before, don't like to sit with themselves, but a lot of that sitting with themselves is because one, they don't like who they are, don't like who they've become or they're not sure who they really are because they let other people shape their perspective of themselves. And one of the best way to sort all that is to journal. And my books all came out of journaling. And by the, I don't know, I think it was the sixth or seventh notebook that I had, I realized I had a theme going through it. And I says, yeah, that's where I started having these dreams about writing the book. Um, I know what you meant about when you finally make the money that you had hoped to do. When I when I hit my six figures as a small business owner with my husband in the antique business, I did have that emptiness. And that's where I started to to journal and peel back the layers of, you know, who I am. Um, again, like yourself, I thought money was the fix all. And you know, when I got that six figure, finally, I was going to this was going to be it. And things got worse because it didn't fix it. And now you're you're left with now what the heck am I going to do? This didn't fix it. Now, that's where I started to journal and the strange, these strange conversations start coming up about, you know, you need to get your story out. You know, strangers on the street in the grocery store line. I'd be talking to somebody on the phone um, in, in the grocery store line. And they're like, you need to write this. That's a great story. You don't mind. Sorry, I didn't mean to hear it. You know, you, I over, overheard it, but you need to write that. And then it just kept going and going and It led to a trip to Hawaii that was kind of out of my budget and off the beating path. But sometimes you just have to say yes when all your external circumstances say no. And I did this, this, it was kind of like my vision quest. It wasn't quite seven years in the tent, but it was three days in Hawaii going, what the heck am I going to do there? What the, what book am I going to write? And by the end of that three days, I had a full outline, um, about 10 chapters in that, like instantly. 
And then it just sort of snowballed into, you know, I need to get, get there. Um, things were still not quite right. But again, if you stay the course, even if you're not sure where it's going, but it seems to be like the right way, even though everything outside says wrong, sometimes you just have to go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's good to share a story. Yeah. So back to, yes, write your story. That's what that all long-winded answer was. <laughs> so, well, with that, um, I know I just kind of talked about my little bit of false identity. Let's, let's dive in maybe a little deeper into what, what your false identity, because everybody has like a cover story that they try to make it fit and it doesn't. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. The false identity, we all fall into it. We've all been there and we all happen to get there again. And this is where what happened to me is the reason that I'm this way. And that's not so. That is an excuse. That is a victim mentality where we give up the, how should we say, accountability to hold ourselves accountable for what, how we are responding to life. You know, my family got divorced, so I'm getting divorced. My family treated me this way, so I act this way. Or it can be even little things like when the stock market crashed, I lost everything. And since then, they come up with these like milestones in their life where everything was good until I used to be that way until when that thing happened to me or that person did that to me changed everything. And it's not true. Those things happen to us. But once again, those are just things that we go through. They're events that can direct the outcome, but the false identity is just accepting that the event happened to me. So this is the outcome I have. And too many people put themselves in that place where they feel hopeless. They feel like they can't change because this is how it's always been. You don't understand. This is the way I am. This is what kind of person I am. These are the things that always happen to me. And as long as we stay in that mindset, we will continue to live that life because we're creating it. We're actually choosing to be in that life. Whether we decide to leave a job, we, ever, we decide to leave a relationship, we decide to move away and go do something completely different or even go live in a tent, whatever it is, it is my choice. And as long as I am not holding myself accountable, I feel that the outcome is in the hands of everybody else. And it's easy for me to just blame the world for what I have. And the reality is that's not an easy life. It seems easy, but it really isn't because it's hard. I'm not living the life that I want. When I realized that all these ideas that I had about who I am and why I was this way and the things that happened to me growing up and my family, once I realized that I was doing that to myself, I realized I wanted to start making change. I wanted to start taking action and I started making better choices and I had to learn how to. It's not like I just get that concept and everything changes one day. No, it is a gradual process and it's challenging. And it's not a think positive. I laugh when people say, oh, you're so positive, Ishvan. I'm like, no, I'm not actually. It doesn't mean I'm negative. It's just, I don't see things as I think positive and positive outcomes come. I don't give in to that idea. It may be a place to start because you're starting to focus on the good things in your life. You're trying to train yourself to be observant. Like, add it, like gratitude, taking moments and being grateful for the things in your life is a great practice that you can do to help focus your eyes on the good things in your life. There are a lot of good things, all of us, no matter how bad our life is, there are good things happening all around us. And it's changing that. It's changing what I focus on. I'm not thinking positive. I'm choosing to focus on the good things in life, even though there are bad things and hardships going on. If I dwell on them, I just get sucked down with them. But if I focus on these good things that are happening, They're taking me forward towards what I want 
or I get to encourage people who are doing these things and pour into them so they can do more things, you know, to, to serve the purpose that they're after. It's not about a think positive. It is really about changing the way we look at things. Stop explaining what's happening to you based on things that happen to you. Stop it. It's a victim mentality. It is choosing to say, I have no control in the outcome. So I'm going to continue to live this life because it's not my fault. And some things may be out of your control or maybe out of your control for a short period, but you have to start focusing on, well, what can I do to start changing this? Where can I change, you know, this idea of who I am that's not serving me? Because if it's some sort of idea, I'm this way because this happened and it's not something that is positive in your life, it's holding you back from having what you really want. And I'm not here to criticize anybody or make them feel bad for living that life. I'm here to say that there's a better life waiting for you. But as long as you identify with that, you'll continue to live that. And that's not who you are. I believe that everybody was born with a great purpose and destination for their life. And then we get in the way, you know, we get in the way. We let the bad things that happen to us along the way become the excuse for why we can't have that better life. And that's where the false identity comes. I'm this way because of, if you've caught yourself saying that, or you hear yourself saying that out loud, stop and think about what you're saying. Does that really define me? The people who hurt me, the people who wanted to do something bad, the things that weren't in my favor, am I going to let those things have control over my life? Or am I going to take accountability and responsibility for my actions and start creating the life that I really want? Because it's powerful and it's right there waiting for you. I believe that we are the only thing in the way of having everything that we want. Yes. And it's, and it usually starts with mindset. So let's talk about the victory mindset and your book. Um, and uh, what prompted you to write it? Well, I kept getting responses from people that loved hearing my story. They loved interacting with me. They always felt encouraged being around me and hearing about the things I've gone through, but the things that I still focus on continuing to do. And for me, it was always focusing on the victory. I'm not a victim. Life is not out to get me. I don't believe anymore that it's personal because then I make it about me, which is self-centered, whether it's negative or positive, it's self-centered if it's about me. And I started realizing like, well, what, what, what can I do? You know, and started creating all this stuff. And, and the victory mindset came out of always focusing on the best possible outcome, regardless of the situation. And it was people that poured into me, the, the mentors that shared with me what they learned along the way. And the people that encouraged me to keep trying, that encouraged me to, you know, or even taught me things. I mean, simple things from cooking and learn how to do coding on, you know, computers and HTML and things that didn't seem that significant, but they were challenging me. And I was learning, well, what can I do? Because I didn't know what my limitations were. Sometimes we already have an idea of what our limitations are and we put them on ourselves or we can be open to see, well, what can I learn? And some things I didn't become great at, but I tried them. And that victory mindset is about always looking for the best possible outcome. It's about keeping yourself open to whatever comes your way instead of, well, I don't like that. Have you ever tried it? No, but I know I won't like it. Okay, so you're just going to cut off amazing experience, whether it be food, places, joy, fun, people, whatever it is, you're going to cut it out because you just don't think you'll like it. That is not a fulfilling life. When things come my way, I'm like, never tried it. Sure. Let's go. You know, cause I want to experience life. I want to be able to learn more because the more I experience, the more I can incorporate into creating a better life and how I can help other people. So with the victory mindset and wanting to share it was as I've been learning all this along the way and how people were responding to what I was sharing, whether it be in conversations from stage and in groups that I'm a part of, I realized there are people that need to hear my story. And I wanted to put it together so that I could share it with them because a lot of people will often look at somebody who gets to a point where the world will say successful, whether it's money or, you know, positions, whatever it is, right? And the people start glorifying that person. Well, it's easy for that person to say that because look at all the money they have. It's easy for that person to say that because whatever all the excuses, 
Tell that to the 16-year-old that was sleeping on the street. Tell it to, you know, a kid that is homeless and going looking in a dumpster so that they can get something to eat. Tell them, oh, that's easy. Because anybody who thinks that of me, oh, it's easy for him to say that. It's like, I was that kid, scared, feeling hopeless, feeling like my life was out to get me and it was just always trying to take me down. But it was in here. Once I changed how I perceived everything, how I was responding to what life was giving me, that I able be able to change that and create the life that I now get to live. And knowing that it's helped so many in conversation, I wanted to reach more people. So I wrote my book so other people can read it and they can see the things that I learned along the way to help them along their journey so they also can experience the victory in their own life. Wow. Well, that's an awesome, awesome story that you've shared with us today. And tell, while we go for a little bit of a suggestion on maybe others who want to write their journey to victory, what are some of the suggestions and tips if they too want to write a book about their, their, you know, trials, tribulations, and what they got out of it. Share your story. Be honest. Share the details. You know, not only will it help them, but it also even in yourself, if you're still struggling with it, being more aware of what the details are and sharing them, we get to face them. And then those people that are going through things, instead of talking about just the glorified things in our life and how great, and hey, you can make six figures, seven figures, all this other stuff, that's all great. But what if you don't really have joy? What if you're not experiencing joy in your life? And the reality is that there's other people that have gone through similar things that you have gone through, the good and the bad. And when somebody shares the bad, you know, the real story, it doesn't have to be all the physical details of what happened, but the emotional journey that you had to go through and how it made you feel, other people realize I'm not alone. I'm not the only person that's gone through this. And here is a person who has gone through that and gotten through to the other side. And now I feel encouraged because I too have hope to get where this person has gotten so that I can overcome the things that I've gone through. So share your story. And everything doesn't have to be emotional. I mean, there's other stories, like I said earlier, you know, there's the fun stuff, there's the adventures, there's the how I learned how to build a business. Maybe that's what it is. And that's fine. Those are all great. Whatever the story is, is going to encourage somebody else who needs to hear your story to help them have the victory in their life. So write your story. Don't think my story, nobody wants to hear it. There's somebody that wants to hear it. I guarantee it. And once you start sharing it, you'll realize, wow. I too can make a positive impact on the other people around me just by sharing my story. Exactly. Hence the name, shameless plug, leap into your story. <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, that's what this podcast is about to get people telling their story. No doubt about that. Well, Ishwan, I just have one last question for you before we wrap this up. And let's have you share where we can find out more about you and your books, your speaking engagements. What are some of those links where we can find more about you? Excellent. So the book is The Victory Mindset, Life of Disadvantage Transformed into a Life of Endless Opportunities. You can find this on Amazon. Amazon is probably the easiest way to get it and probably the quickest way to get it. You can get it on Kindle or you can get an actual physical copy sent to you. If you want to reach out to me and connect, you can go to ishvanjaco.com. That's I-S-T-V-A-N-Z-S-A-K-O.com. You can go there. There's a way you can reach me. If you're interested in having a speaker, come share. I love to share my story and I'm always looking for opportunities to reach other people, inspire them, to help them overcome their challenges. So I would love to talk to you or you just have a question, want to hear more about my story, you're curious about little bits of it, you know, 
always loved to read, to talk with other people and, and share the story. It was, it's, a, it's an amazing journey and you have an amazing journey too. So I always enjoy hearing about other people's journeys too. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Ishwan, it's been a pleasure to have you uh, as my guest today. Thank you for joining us today and sharing your fantastic insights and amazing life of transformation into victory. I do want to thank uh, you all for tuning into Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, work through the process, and meet others who've done it so you can be guided into your journey to write your own story. So to remember to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're there, subscribe and like to us via your favorite social media network. We're looking forward to seeing you next time here on the Leap Into Your Story podcast. Thank you for tuning into the Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, break down the process, and meet others who've done it so you can leap into your own story. Remember to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're there, subscribe and like to us via your favorite social media network. We're looking forward to seeing you next time on the Leap Into Your Story podcast.